So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Welcome back to the Dirt Show. Before we get to Barack Obama and his obscene comparison uh, between uh, what uh, Hamas did to um, women and children and babies, rape and beheadings on the one hand, and Israel's non-occupation of the Gaza Strip. We'll talk about that in a minute. I just wanted to mention this for those those of you who live in the New York area. Um, a Canadian filmmaker, a really good filmmaker named John Curtin, has done a film about me. It's called The Trials of uh, Alan Dershowitz, and it goes over cases that I represented people in, and also my own trials with a false accusation uh, against me and, and how I responded uh, to it. And also, it, you know, deals with my defense of Israel and other things of that kind. And it's having its world premiere at the New York Documentary Film Festival. It was selected as one of the best documentaries. So, um, uh, and it's on Thursday at uh, six o'clock at the the um, Village East Theater in, in New York. And if you want to get tickets, you can. It's uh, Doc New York, D O C New York dot net, D O C N Y C dot net. Now, I'm also answering questions. Uh, so you have a chance to uh, ask me directly uh, any, any questions. And you don't have to worry, there'll be security there uh, with what's going on in the Middle East with the death of that Jewish man in the Los Angeles um, area. Um, my wife has correctly insisted that there be security, so there will be. So uh, you don't have to worry about that. And uh, it's a, I haven't seen the film. I was interviewed for it, obviously, and I've seen the trailer, which I liked, but I haven't seen the film itself. So it will surprise me as much as it surprises you. So if you're in the New York area and feel like coming on Thursday night at 6 o'clock, um, uh, please do so. Uh, New York, uh, D-O-C-N-Y-C, DocNewYorkCity.net. All right, let's turn to uh, Barack Obama. I have a lot to say about him. First, let's read the exact words he said so we know exactly what he said. That what Hamas did was horrific, and there's no justification for it. A little ungrammatical, but he said that. That what Hamas did was horrific, and there's no justification for it. And what is also true, same sentence, same paragraph, same you know, concept, and what is also true is that the occupation and what's happening to Palestinians is unbearable. Well, if something's unbearable, you can do anything you want to make it bearable. You can rape, you can murder, you can, you can kill. To, to put those two things in the same sentence, to even have them in the same paragraph, in the same page, in the same book, is so obscene and so outrageous it the analogy i can think of is this it would be as if a southern member of the ku klux klan uh said um yeah yeah the lynching of of blacks is 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 unjustifiable but what about the high crime rate that blacks have that's 
unbearable to white people. Um, would anybody ever say that? Yeah, yeah. A member of the Klan might say it. A member of the Nazi party might say it. But nobody would try to compare um, a crime rate, which has many, many causes, um, to the lynching, to the lynching of blacks. And here we had 1,400 Jews lynched. Now, Harvard students think it's their fault, 33 groups, but of course it, it's not. And to associate it with the occupation, let's, let's talk about the occupation for a second. There's no occupation in Gaza. There isn't a single, not only live Israeli, they got rid of all of their soldiers and all of their settlers in 2005. They even dug up the bodies of the people who had died there uh, over the 20 something years uh, before that. And there was no occupation at all. And so the people who came from Gaza weren't doing it in response to an unbearable occupation. If there's anything unbearable living in, 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 in Gaza, it's because of Hamas. So if they were going to some kill some people because of the unbearable nature of how the Palestinians were living in Gaza, they picked the wrong target. And if they're talking about the West Bank, that's disputed and controversial. I've been to Ramallah. My son and I went to Ramallah to visit the prime minister of the Palestinian Authority. We had the best meal we had in all of Israel. It was unbelievable. Uh, the prime minister arranged for us to have dinner, lunch at his favorite, his favorite restaurant. We didn't see a single Israeli soldier or policeman. It's not an occupied city. Much of the West Bank is not occupied and the parts that are militarily occupied. Yeah, there's a dispute about the settlements, so have a dispute about the settlements. But if anybody thinks that somehow these murders had anything to do with the occupation, no, not a thing. If there wasn't any occupation at all of any of the lands that Israel captured in the defense of war of 1967, Hamas would do exactly the same thing. How do I know? Because it's in their charter. They regard all of Israel as occupied. They regard Tel Aviv, which has always had a major Jewish majority, or or Haifa, or, uh, you know, uh, stay wrote. They're all occupied land, and, 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 and Obama is is, is essentially saying that Hamas um, uh, is justified in some ways, although he said they weren't justified, but when you compare it in the same sense, in, in murder, rape, and beheading, because Israel is occupied territory. You know, Israel is not occupied. It was recognized by the United Nations, um, by uh, uh, most uh, democracies, uh, recognize it, even several Arab countries today recognize it following the Abraham Accords. And, and, and life for the Palestinians is not unbearable. I know I've been there. I've seen it. And so has Barack Obama. He's seen it. To the extent life is difficult in the Gaza Strip, it's because of Hamas. They run Hamas. They own, they own the Gaza Strip. They run every aspect of it. They're a kleptocracy. All the money that Qatar gives them goes into the bank accounts of the Hamas leaders and to buy rockets and build tunnels. So, so don't tell me that life's unbearable in Gaza, and that's the reason why uh, the Hamas murderers and rapists uh, broke down the fence and invaded Israel and, and, and took these babies and children as hostages and, and burned babies. No, no, you can't get away with that. You're not that stupid, Barack Obama. You're not that ignorant. You're not that uneducated. I know you. I knew you when you were a student. 
I knew you when you were president. Let me tell you a story of what happened when he was president. I'll tell you two stories. One, I was in Israel and um, he called me on the phone and he said, Alan, I hear you're in Israel. What are the Israelis thinking about? What's their number one issue? And I said, Iran. He said, oh, okay. What's the number two issue? I said, Iran. And he said, well, what's the number three issue? I said, Iran, you want to keep going? It's Iran, 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 Iran all the time because Iran is going to develop nuclear weapons and they also control Hamas and Hezbollah. So this is all about Iran. He said, all right, when you get back to the United States, I want you to come to the Oval Office. I want to talk about it with you. Uh, obviously, I should have realized and didn't that, you know, of course, he was running for re-election and he wanted my support. He wanted my public support. So he invited me to the Oval Office. And we sat down and we talked about Iran. And he said, Alan, you've known me for a long time. Uh, you know, I would never, ever mislead you. I have Israel's back. Iran will never develop nuclear weapons. I didn't realize when he said he had Israel's back that he meant to put a target on it. Because after the end of it, he got reelected. I supported him. I voted for him. I wish I hadn't uh, for the second time. And then at the end of his time, at the end of his term, um, while he was a lame duck, obviously, in, in December, I think it was, of, of, of 2016, he overruled his UN ambassador who wanted to veto a one-sided resolution declaring the Western Wall, it's like the holiest place of Judaism, it's like the Vatican to Catholics. Uh, he, the UN wanted to declare the Western Wall to be illegally occupied territory, as well as the access roads to Hebrew University and Hadassah Hospital. And the U US had never accepted that and it always vetoed resolutions, but Obama dictated to his uh, um, representative to the UN that she couldn't veto it. And so she didn't veto it and it was passed. And that was, that was Barack Obama's FU to Netanyahu. It was just saying, you know, you've been nasty to me and you haven't given in to me. I'm really going to get even with you. So, so that's, that's, that's one, one story about Barack Obama. I'll tell you another story about Barack Obama. So I was turning 75 years old. It was the last year, a couple of years of his presidency. And he was living right next door to me on Martha's Vineyard. We were literally separated just by a bunch of hedges. I could, you know, see his family, his kids playing in their swimming pool. I could hear the noise and hear the, hear the music. And it was fine. And I met him four or five times over that summer. I'd met him many, many, many times. I've been in the White House uh, uh, numerous occasions during the Obama administration. So, of course, it was my 75th anniversary. We were having about 50, 60 people. And so I invited him and he accepted. And then I got a call from the White House saying, we heard that one of the people that you invited to your birthday party was Geraldo Rivera, who works for Fox. I said, yeah, Geraldo is an old friend of mine. We've known each other for years and years and years. The White House said, well, if you disinvite Geraldo Rivera, the president will come. But if you insist on inviting him, the president can't come. So please disinvite Geraldo Rivera. My response was, no, I'm disinviting the president. I didn't say I'm disinviting the president. I just said, I'm not disinviting Geraldo Rivera. And they said, well, then the president can't come. He wrote me a nice note, a uh, handwritten note, congratulating me on my birthday and saying, continue to do the mischief you've been doing. I think he may have regret it. He may regret having said that to me as much as I regret having voted for him. But um, when he allowed the UN to uh, call um, uh, the Western Wall um, um, horribly and illegally uh, 
occupied territory. That ended my relationship with him. I've never spoken to him again, and I have no intention ever to speak to him again. Um, I would never, he can't run again, but I would never vote for him. And I regret my second vote. I wish I had voted for um, Romney, um, who I knew was governor of Massachusetts, who I liked, but, you know, I'm a Democrat, so I voted for Barack Obama. He called me to the Oval Office. He talked me into the fact that he would be strongly supportive of Israel, and he broke his promise to me. He looked me in the eye, and he misled me. He deceived me. Either that or he changed his mind. Um, I think he's never been pro-Israel, and I think the statement that he made the other day, obnoxious, obscene, uh, in some way comparing um, rapes and murders to a disputed occupation of parts of the West Bank with the end of the occupation. And remember, too, Barack Obama knows this. Israel offered to end the occupation over and over again. Uh, they accepted a two-state solution in 1937, 1938, 1948, 1967, uh, 1990, 1994, 2000, 2001, 2005, 2007, and most recently during the Trump administration when efforts were made to try to reach some kind of a, a two-state solution. And it's always been the Palestinians who have rejected offers of a two-state solution and rejected offers to end the occupations. Don't blame the occupation on Israel. If the occupation has made life unbearable for the Palestinians, and, and, and believe me, it's not, go over Christmas time, go to Bethlehem and, and see. It's it's not unbearable. Um, it, it's, it's far, far better than it is in, in many other um, countries in the Middle East. Um, but to the extent that there is an occupation, it's the fault of the Palestinians for refusing to accept generous offers of a two-state solution, which would have ended the occupation. Um, Israel in 2007, under Ehud Olmert, offered the Palestinians 98% back of the West Bank. The only areas that wouldn't go back were areas that were heavily populated by Jews and Malia Duim and Gilo and areas like that. In exchange, there would have been land swaps. So it would have been a you know, land for land, they offered them a return. Some refugees offered to have a divided capital um, with the Palestinian uh, capital in Jerusalem, everything the Palestinians could have wanted. And the Palestinians didn't accept that. So don't talk to me about an unbearable occupation and compare it to what is really unbearable, the deliberate murder of 1,400 innocent people, including babies and the elderly, a woman who had uh, multiple sclerosis in a wheelchair, uh, she was slaughtered and murdered in front of her parents. Uh, you know, to make those kinds of comparisons is, is, is really, really, really shows a lack of humanity and a lack of sensitivity. And um, uh, fortunately, this happened quickly enough for me to include a chapter in my new book, uh, War Against uh, the Jews. So I have a chapter in my new book, which will be out on December 5th, and you can order it in advance. I have a chapter on Barack Obama, a whole chapter on Barack Obama and on how terrible it is that he he made that that comparison. And, you know, obviously I have chapters uh, about uh, the fact that uh, uh, Hamas uses human shields and they use what they call the CNN strategy, what I in my book called the dead baby strategy. They put their children as human shields in harm's way, hoping that Israel will kill Palestinian children so that they can hold up, Hamas can hold up these dead babies in front of CNN and get the world to say, oh my God, 
all these babies have been killed. It must be Israel's fault. No, it's not Israel's fault. It's Hamas's fault for using them as human shields, as I've said before. If you take a hostage and you hold the hostage and the police shoot uh, and kill the hostage instead of killing you, you're not responsible for the, the policemen aren't responsible for the murder. The person holding the hostage is responsible for the murder. And the same thing is true legally, morally, politically, and in every other way. Hamas is responsible for the death of every single human shield that it deliberately caused to be put in the way of Israel's legitimate military action. What would you do if, if people were firing at your family? I can tell you, Barack Obama, when he was running for president, went to stay rote. And he said he saw rockets coming in from the Gaza, killing Israeli civilians in stay rote. And he said, if these rockets were coming in and endangering the lives of my children, I would do everything I can to stop these rockets. And that includes bombing the rocket sites. Even if there are human shields in front of them, you cannot allow rockets to come and kill your civilians just because Hamas has put their civilians in front of the rocket. You've seen this uh, <clears throat> cover of one of my early books before. It makes the point. You know, it obviously it has an Israeli soldier protecting the baby carriage. At the same time, the Hamas murderer is using the baby carriage to protect him. That's immoral. And that doesn't forbid the Israeli soldiers from taking out the rockets that are endangering the lives of Israeli civilians. So, no, you can't make those kinds of comparisons, Barack Obama. And I have to tell you, what you did is just despicable. It's beneath contempt. And um, and whatever respect I had for you, I have absolutely lost. Fortunately, so have many other Americans uh, lost respect for you. And I'm hoping that you have no influence on the current administration, future Democratic administrations, and that your lack of morality ends up in the in the dustbin of history where where it belongs. And so I'm ashamed that I was your friend. I'm ashamed that I invited you to my birthday party. I'm ashamed that I accepted your invitation to the Oval Office. And I'm ashamed that I allowed you to fool me into thinking that you actually uh, supported Israel. You do not. Nobody who has any love for Israel in their heart would ever make the kind of uh, obscene, obnoxious comparison you made between murder, rape, kidnapping, burning of, of, of civilians and, and a disputed occupation that could have ended over and over again if the Palestinians had only uh, accepted the deals offered by President Clinton and by others in the American administration, not by you. You didn't do anything to help the peace process, but Clinton did and, and Trump did and, and others did, but not you. Um, all you did was condemn Israel and allow Israel to be condemned at the United Nations. So um, don't count me as a, a friend or supporter or admirer. I was, and I got fooled. Fooled once, shame on you. Fooled twice, shame on me. I'll never, ever be fooled or misled again by, by Barack Obama. And I would hope that Barack Obama had the decency to realize that what he said was uh, beneath contempt and that he would apologize uh, to the victims and the families of the victims and to the people who were being held a hostage and maybe try to do something, use his influence uh, with uh, some parties in the Middle East to help 
uh, get the refuge, get get the um, hostages out. Uh, he didn't say much about that, and that's what he should be talking about. That's unbearable. Being a baby hostage, being separated by from your mother, being kept in underground tunnels, being held as hostages—that's unbearable. And that's what Barack Obama should should be uh, talking about. And I have to tell you, the Democratic Party is going to pay a heavy price uh, for Barack Obama's uh, statements if he goes on the campaign trail, because people would hound him. I will hound him with with those statements and not let him get away uh, with that. It was not a slip of the tongue. It was a very carefully contrived statement trying to create a sense of equality and moral unclarity and moral comparison between something that's can never be excused, murder, rape, beheadings, and something that is controversial politically and that you, Barack Obama, uh, didn't do very much to help the Palestinians uh, get out of. So don't count on me and my support. Um, uh, you, you have been an enemy to justice, an enemy to Israel, an enemy to the Jewish people, and an enemy to decency. And I'm embarrassed that I ever thought it as highly as you as I obviously did. I was fooled by you. I'll never be fooled again. All right, let's look at some letters. Um, a lot of them. Okay. Uh, where are the letters? Uh, okay. You are addictive. Even when I totally disagree with you, I simply can't stop. I don't want to be addictive. I don't want you to be addicted to me. I just want you to watch me because you enjoy it. Uh, thank you. Uh, it's evil. Nothing to do with supporting the Palestinians. The thrill of hating Jews is simply too tempting. Did you see the story of Paul Kessler? You know, it's the story of the Jewish 69-year-old man who was carrying an Israeli flag and got into some, we don't know the facts, so we have to wait and see what the facts are. And he was knocked over and hit on the face and, um, and uh, had banged his head and ended up dying. Um, and there's a, obviously, police, inve police investigation. The the death has been ruled a homicide, but um, nobody yet has determined whether or not the suspect, apparently there is a suspect, was culpable to what degree he was culpable. Um, the uh, sheriff said it is being investigated as a possible hate crime. So we'll wait and see what the results of that were. I talked about the Chicago 7 trial um, the other day and about um, how Trump may be handling uh, his New York case the way Abby Hoffman handled the Chicago 7 trial. Got an interesting note about that. I remember the Chicago 7 trial. I was there in Chicago. I got caught in the melee in front of the Hilton Hotel when police officers descended on horseback. I remember that. I wish there was a protest just returning from work and got caught in it. In any event, I remember Judge Julius Hoffman putting Bobby Seale and a literal gag and, and, and roping him and tying him to a seat wouldn't it be hysterical if Trump could bait the judge into tying and gagging him the way uh, Julius Hoffman did uh, Bobby Seale? I, I don't think the judge will do that, but uh, he certainly seems to be making mistake after mistake and falling into uh, the traps that uh, Trump and his lawyers may well be deliberately setting. Thank you, Alan, for your wonderful videos. I feel I am taking a basic law class. Even this 87-year-old Korean war vet can understand your comments. You explain your comments in such a way that non-legal viewers understand truly doing a mitzvah. Mitzvah is a good deed in Yiddish and Hebrew. Yashakoch, which means may your strength be increased. 
By the way, I love your son's suggestion, Elon, my son's suggestion about a birthright for Gaza. What a great idea. Obviously, he's got some great genes. No, he's a very independent and thoughtful guy and came up with this idea on his own. Uh, you know, we're going to send uh, these uh, Hitler youth uh, who are marching uh, for Hamas, send them to Gaza, uh, pay their way, one-way ticket, because they won't come back alive. We know what will happen to them if they're gay or if they're transgender or if they're feminist or if they're progressive or if they're Jews. Uh, they will be killed. And so it'll be cheap, just a one-way ticket. So thank you again, Elon, for your wonderful suggestion. All right. I talked about how terrible CNN's legal advice is. I watched a little bit more afterward. It got worse. There's There are one or two people who are, who are decent on it. I don't want to generalize about everybody, but virtually everybody um, uh, uh, makes mistake after mistake. They wouldn't pass a, a first-year law class. Um, I really can't trust any legal advice on the Internet, except for Professor Dershowitz. He has demonstrated over decades of service that he's on the side of the law and the Constitution. I'm a loyal viewer. It's not so much that I'm on the side of the law and the Constitution. It's just that I, I call balls and strikes. I, I call them straight. I'm not trying to influence you in my predictions or in my analysis. I want to make sure you understand what the legal system is. I don't want to teach you what to think. I want to help you learn how to think about things and about the law. And so I'm always going to be straight with you about the law. Uh, I will often predict things that I wish didn't happen, but I'm not there to create wishful thinking. I'm there to give you the benefit of my 60 years of experience. And, and generally I'm correct because the law is not hard to predict often. If you know a lot about the legal system, you know something about the judges and you know something about where it's happening, like New York, Washington, DC, it's not very hard to predict that they're going to be ruling against Donald Trump. There are many parallels between the late 60s and the present, especially in the uh, extremism, loss of liberties, shift in the expression of the Bill of Rights. Those of us who were there in the, in the 60s and 70s saw the rise of the weathermen, the Chicago 7, can see it, can feel it. Trump is in the driver's seat, and it looks like the Israeli war will fracture Democrats to, due to the ideology of intersectionality by whose identity is fractured. Thanks for the commentary. Uh, yeah, no, I do think there are similarities. There's a big difference, though. And the big difference is the radicals of the 70s, I know I represented them. I represented, I was involved in the major trials of the 1970s, the Weathermen, all of those cases, Chicago 7, the Dr. Spock case. They were a fringe uh, within the Democratic, they weren't even Democrats. They were a fringe way, way, way outside of the Democratic Party, some communists, anarchists, socialists. Um, today, there are a lot of people within the mainstream who are radical. The, 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 the thousands of people who are marching um, for Hamas and against Israel, uh, they include people you know, from, from Harvard and Yale. In the 60s and 70s, I was at Harvard, uh, had just finished being at Yale. There was very little support uh, at the universities, at the law schools uh, for these radicals, certainly not for the bomb throwers. Remember, the weathermen were involved in, you know, planting bombs in universities, uh, planting a bomb, trying to make a bomb to blow up Fort Dix. You're, some of you remember the house on, was it 11th Street or 12th Street, where Kathy Boudin um, and some other people, uh, the house blew up and some of the people were killed. They were making bombs. And that's going to happen here. 
these people who are marching, some of them will join Hamas. They will provide, quote, material support for Hamas. And of course, that's a violation of law. And what the weathermen did was a violation of law, not necessarily Chicago 7. But the weathermen clearly violated the law, and some of them are still in jail for it. They killed people. They murdered policemen. Uh, and they justified it. And uh, people justified it on their behalf, but not as much as today. So we're seeing some parallels and we're seeing some differences. It's much, much worse and much more dangerous and much more widespread today. Um, I was alive then, the trial of the Chicago 7. It was a smart bit of lawyer dancing. Some is indeed happening with Trump. It's frankly disgusting to see the judge wearing his prejudice on his sleeve like this. It's so sad that New York has fallen so far and that this individual is sitting in the judge's uh, seat. But, you know, that's what happens when you politicize the criminal justice system. You get people picking sides and, you know, judges should not be picking sides. They should be applying the law objectively. And I have to tell you, I do not think that the attorney general of New York or the judge sitting on this case are applying the law objectively. Uh, James, she is the D, the uh, the attorney general, should be challenged the way she singled out Trump for this trial. The idea that the only business uh, that overinflated its its value is is Trump. Take Deutsche Bank in 2018 lost 92% of its value over 10 years, yet the bank seemed overvalued. Hence, why its stock then was the value, etc. No, we know that uh, it's very common in the real estate industry to overvalue for some purposes and other value for un other purposes, but the selective prosecution here of Donald Trump in order to influence his election and try to get him defeated should be obvious to anybody. It should be of great concern to all of us who don't want to see our country turned into a banana republic. Thank you for teaching us about the Constitution. Can the Trump verdict be appealed to the United States Supreme Court? Yes, but not immediately. It has to go first through the intermediate courts of appeals and then to the Supreme Court. Everything that is being judged is definitely unconstitutional. Not everything, but a great, great many things. <laughs> My final one. I'm beginning to like Alan. He's a bit on the liberal side. No, I'm not a bit on the liberal side. I am a centrist, strongly committed liberal. But he can be relatively objective. I think a lot of liberals and a lot of conservatives can be objective. The people who can't are the extremists on both sides. See you tomorrow. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.